0: 2020 helped me see that if you can add a little bit of joy into the tools that help you stay on track, you're more likely to stay on track. Welcome to Scrapbook Your Way, the show that explores the breadth of ways to be a memory keeper today. I'm your host, Jennifer Wilson, owner of Simple Scrapper and author of The New Rules of Scrapbooking. This is episode 101 In this episode, I'm joined by Kim Edson to reflect on the past month and explore what's new for February. This is our monthly peek behind the scenes at Simple Scrapper. Hey, Kim, how are you doing? I am doing well. And yourself? I am hanging in. We have just gotten back into the school routine this week, uh, reminding my family that headphones are always appreciated (laughs) as we're all trying to work at the same time. But yeah,
1: it's pretty good good. My girls have started back. So they've been hybrid this whole school year. Um, so when they're in school, it's only about half the students. And then this week they just started back Wednesday with everyone, which, um, I think there's some learning curves. Like I guess the first day they ran out of lunch, so they had to go and scramble. Like people were getting breakfast for lunch and they're bringing stuff in and I don't, know. they just didn't anticipate how many kids would be eating the school lunch versus home lunches. And then the whole pickup drop off thing. Like, so they started at a new, uh, school location this fall. And my only experience has been with approximately half the students. And so now that everyone's there, like that parking lot is, it's wild. So we're going to have to figure out like timing and whatnot to make it work. But yeah, I hear you. We're rolling with it.
0: Well, and I think that I, you know, I'm a I'm not a super go with the flow person, and I know. And amen. But I think I'm I'm growing in that skill. I'm like building that muscle because of this year, and I'm just you know waiting to be told what's what's next, and Mm -hmm. just you do that rather than trying to always fully
1: anticipate and map out things. Yes, I am very much aligned with that. Well, I have something that you can try next. What's that? I don't know where you are with your um, dietary journey or whatever. I know sometimes you try some different things. but So this fall, I came across this master muffin recipe from Sally's Baking Addiction. Okay. Have you ever made any of her recipes? I have been to her website. I believe I even have something
0: printed out. Yes.
1: Okay. So it is this concept where it's this master muffin recipe where there's like your base recipe and then you just alter your spices and your kind of add-ins. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she has all these different like toppings to mix and match, glazes and streusels and crumb toppings. And I am a loyal America's Test Kitchen person, but have struggled with muffin recipes in the past. I feel like they were not always consistent in the results I was getting, and I had always heard don't over mix and. You know, how yeah. much do you fill them? And I don't know. Like I was just did not get consistent recipes. And I feel like with this one, they've been very consistent. And I get kind of like an It's odd how much joy I get out of the whole mix and match concept. Like it makes it kind of this adventure. And she has, I don't know, like 10 or 15 suggestions. And then you can just alter from there. So we made uh Cranberry orange is like one of my favorites. Oh yeah, um, that's, a, that's pear a lovely combo. And the, yes, pear and apple. She has a cranberry apple. The girls like blueberry and chocolate chip. Well, Grace likes the cranberry orange as well. Caroline is not such a fan, but she has peach, which I'm just waiting for peaches to be in season. They're I don't know. It has been so much fun, and then they also freeze well. So I'm still trooping out to vaccine clinics a few days a week. So for better or for worse, food very much is a treat for me or comfort. So I like the idea of having a nice breakfast to take with me while I'm on the road. And so since these freeze well, I've been able to bake up like a couple batches on the weekend. We can enjoy some now, put some in the freezer for later. And then it's always nice just to have a quick, tasty breakfast to grab. And especially now that the girls are back in school, like Caroline's been eating the chocolate chip muffins during the week. So. I have super enjoyed these. So if you are in the market to try a new muffin recipe, um, I will definitely give you the link so you can put it in the show notes, and I would recommend that people try them. I will investigate that because I've been trying to kind of,
0: I don't know, shake things up a little bit, Um, and I, I have definitely struggled with muffins. They're always like, you know, the muffin top is kind of okay, and then the bottom is like dry and just not good, so... Uh, I think maybe I've just been using too many box mixes, not following directions, or I don't know. I need to... I need, I'm very bad at baking in general, but I think a muffin is something that I'd like to master.
1: They are fun. I will... See, my daughter... I prefer the top because I think that's most people, right? Like a yeah. muffin top. She actually likes the bottoms. So it's a match made in heaven because if she doesn't want her top, I'll eat that and I'll give her my bottom. But Who doesn't like a muffin also, top? <laughs> I know, whatever. I mean, she eats them, but like, yeah. she likes the bottom. But I will also say years ago, I got these silicone they're cupcake liners, mm-hmm. but I use them for my muffins as well. Yeah, I have those. And that has been a big game changer as well because you would use these paper liners and then you try to like peel it off and then like half the muffin would come with it and yeah it was always just very frustrating so if you match Sally's master muffin recipe with silicone liners i mean we're in a good thing here so have, recommended
0: have you tried the silicone like the muffin pan like and have you compared
1: those i've not
0: okay cuz i have i have, I have like both and i was just curious oh.
1: I think I always was concerned about the idea of, like, popping them out. I didn't know how – I felt like, would you not mangle your muffin or your cake or whatever as you were popping them out? But I suppose if they're cooled, they have a little more sturdiness to them.
0: They do. And also because of the – the same reason you like the silicone liners and the fact that it just doesn't stick at all. Like, Mm -hmm. they just literally come out.
1: Yeah, that's these. Like you go to lift them from the muffin pan to cool them and they're coming out of the liner before I could even get them onto like the yeah, cleaning
0: rack. But I will have to experiment cuz I the only issue that I've had with the muffin pan is I just don't feel like they get as much loft. Oh, okay. Um versus the metal and I'm sure it's just like a heat distribution thing, but I think also that's the metal is what contributes to my uh overcooked, dry muffin bottoms. <laughs>
1: Well, and so. then this recipe, she has you start out at a higher t- temperature for five minutes and then you drop down. And according to her, if you read her description and explanation for why this muffin recipe works, that contributes to a nice rise on the muffin.
0: Nice. Okay. I will experiment. I have not yet eaten breakfast yet, so I may have to – and we have some apples that I need to use up. So maybe we'll be going I direction. I will say
1: – I like all the, the streusel toppings and the crumb toppings. I don't get so into the glazes because at some point I just want to eat my muffin. And that seems like a lot of work. But um, my kids prefer them just plain. They don't necessarily care for the fancy toppings. So I think, again, lots of flexibility depending on what you're into. Sure. So
0: kind of switching gears here, I have been into painting with Emily we're just you know trying to make sure that she's staying engaged and not just on electronics or um she is playing a little bit of Xbox with friends and her cousin and stuff which is great cuz they can just talk and they're always I don't know I don't even always understand what they're talking about but they're super into it but we've been taking some time to do painting we did uh these little baby Yoda paintings I followed like a tutorial on YouTube and she didn't want to. She just wanted an image to go from. And I think hers was actually a lot better than mine. So interesting. She's, she's so good uh, at being able to look at something and kind of capture the dimension and perspective. Like she's got the eye for it. So that's awesome. And then we did these abstract paintings, uh, I guess sometime in the past week, maybe it was this past weekend. And it's just you know, I've always loved painting. I've mentioned that in the podcast a million times, and just sharing that with Emily is so fun. But I had been inspired by uh, a video from Felicitas Mayer, and now I'm just kind of addicted to seeing how she incorporates her painting techniques into her scrapbooking. And I totally, she, you know, it inadvertently enabled me. And I'm like, I have this Dick Blick gift card from my birthday, like a couple years ago, and it still had a lot on it. And I'm like, I'm just gonna go, and I'm gonna refresh my paint stash. So I got some new acrylics and I ordered some new watercolors, some, you know, uh you know, little tube of watercolors, and I've never had those oh, before. Yes. So as I'm, opposed to
1: like pan or yeah, so like
0: I'm excited. Well, clearly I'm
1: so knowledgeable.
0: I'm excited for that. Those are actually back ordered, so I'm still waiting for those to come. But you know, it's fun to have new supplies. Also, I was kind of looking to maybe Emily really wants to dig into more of these supplies and as much and I want her to teach her how to use I don't know the good stuff if you will. Mm-hmm. But it's time that we kind of make sure we have a good stash and that I have the good stuff set aside while she's now she's been using my, I have several pans of watercolors and we frequently have to just like rinse off the whole thing because the whole thing is now brown and muddied because of her explorations, which is awesome. But uh yeah. At the same point in time. Yes. There there is. We okay. got we also have to learn to take care of our things and, and she's growing and learning in that direction. So
1: but it's just yep. paint, it's fun to play. Brush care always oh, seemed gosh. to have been the challenge. Grace <laughs> yes. was really into paint doing the rock paintings. Have mm-hmm. you seen those? Oh yeah. Well, there's those ones where you paint inspirational messages and leave them around. She's not interested in that. Thank you very much. She <laughs> is more into she did a lot of these with her grandmother, where Right. You make it into a snowman or a pumpkin or she had well, Halloween. She made like eyeballs, like whatever. Um, so she was more into that. But yes, definitely paintbrush care was something to work on. I noticed.
0: So well, and those the really fine point brushes that you would use for that type of thing. Like those can be even harder to take care of because they're so fine. You like You got to rinse those out right away. Otherwise, it's going to be crispy and dead. So, yeah.
1: Well, cool. I'm glad that she's having
0: fun. Yeah. No, it's. She's always loved it. And of course, she loves creating with me. And yeah, we've been we've been doing a lot of I really think my husband is the one who's doing really all this nesting. And I'm just kind of going with the flow with that. Um, And so we're kind of shifting things around and taking our house from, you know, young child to, you know, pre-tween child and and shifting things and getting rid of some things with that, too. So that's I don't know. It feels nice. It feels refreshing as we're continuing to be at home, so.
1: Well, and yes, especially post-holiday, I always feel, especially when my kids were little, you'd get this influx of toys and clothes and whatever for the holidays. It was nice always to, have a, to refresh what we were currently using what we were not going to use and kind of start again.
0: Oh, for sure. So what's exciting you right now in memory keeping?
1: So for the last several years, I've done a year-in-review layout, Mm -hmm. And I like the past, especially probably the past week or two, I've been really kind of thinking in my mind about what I want to include on that. And I know in the past when I've shared them, people have always asked like how I come up with the list that I use. So, and I don't really have an answer. I think originally I searched for examples of year in review layouts or year in review concepts or there's always posts and things. And that kind of guided me. And then I also would just look back on what happened throughout the year. So like the very first year I did it um, was in 2010 and my grandmother had passed that year. So I had, you know, like saddest moment of the year, most exciting moment of the year, proudest moment of the year. And then I'll mix in favorite book or or music of the year or trip of the year, food of the year, whatever comes to mind that kind of epitomizes that year for me. So... I have, I've been doing a lot of that where I plan it in my head, like I have my picture kind of picked out and I kind of know what I want to write. Then it's just a matter of putting it together. So I hope to work on that this weekend. That's
0: so fun. I love, you know, I think you're one of many examples though, of taking a concept and doing it every single year and revisiting that. And it's not, it's not always, it's not this big thing. It's, I mean, you're making a layout But Mm -hmm. it's the it's so meaningful because you've done it so many times in the past, and you can compare those, and you have your own inspiration as well as all the inspiration out there in the community to keep informing that and help you stay excited about it as well.
1: Yeah, I I like they're fun to look back on, and they're just like you said, it's one layout, so it's a little snapshot. Yeah. So I like that point of it. How about yourself? So I am. I don't know how many times I have talked about
0: my desire and quest to create more photo books and to do project life with a photo book and i've had a lot of ups and downs no doubt like i felt like it was going okay for a certain period of last year until it like it was oh well actually not it's not and i'm like i was looking back on it and i don't even know how to describe this so let's just let's recap I've always wanted to do more photo books as kind of a highlights of a year, more of a project lifestyle, like here's all the ups and downs, the little moments so that I can save a lot of my creative energy to talk about, you know, relationships and personality layouts and go a little bit deeper and, and also just have more like creative fun with it. But I never really found a groove. Um, and then at the start of twenty, uh, that would be 2020, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a Project Life photo book. I'm going to start it with Adobe InDesign because it's software that I know how to use. And I got it all set up and it was like, it was going okay. I got my Lightroom set up, which we've talked about here in the podcast as well, uh, to organize my photos by week. And that routine was really kind of helping me feel more caught up with my photos than I had in the past. And then, of course, we had Pandemic, and I'm like, oh, I'm not actually working on this anymore. Like, it's still a good idea. I still really like it. But I was feeling very disconnected from the process. And it it still felt a certain degree of clunky because I would have to select my photos in Lightroom and then export them and then bring them in to InDesign. You know, even though they're both Adobe programs, you can't just like drag your photo from lightroom into the box in indesign and like that's the number one feature request out there that people have is why can't i just have that live link so that if mm-hmm. you then edit your photo further in lightroom it updates in your book like people would really really want this because there's a lot of folks across many industries that that use both of these programs in tandem so that wasn't quite working and i'm like okay i need something else and i really wanted something that was more mobile friendly. I wanted to be able to do a little bit on my phone and just be able to plop stuff in. But that didn't mean that I wanted to go to something like the Project Life app that would be mobile only. Because some at some point, I'm always frustrated that it's just too small. Um, I want to be able to actually do my journaling typed out on the computer so I can do longer journaling. And Uh, that's when I discovered Canva. And I I believe I've talked about that here as well. And I've experimented a lot with using Canva, which is really designed for web graphics, you know, social media graphics and little web invitations. It's not as, uh, it wasn't concepted to create print quality, high resolution things, though you can do that with it. So I was experimenting. I liked that I could go back and forth between the web and mobile, and it would all sync up if you gave it a little bit of time. And, and on the on the mobile app, I liked that I could just pull a photo off my phone and put it on the page, type my journaling or paste my caption from Instagram, and that page was done. But then I started experimenting with, okay, what's this going to look like in the end, and can I properly export this? And so I checked, it does embed the fonts, it does embed the high-resolution images, but I was having a lot of trouble with the actual size of the pages because when you're exporting a PDF or or any file size for a photo book, you need to have certain resolution requirements and certain sizes. Um, So, for example, Canva cannot export a 300 DPI or larger jpeg so i was limited to using only their pdfs but i could never get an exact size pdf so for example blurb (laughs) said your pdf needs to be these dimensions to make your book and whenever i tried to take that pdf from canva and import it into blurb it said oh sorry this isn't the right direct dimensions we can try to fix it for you but that might not work out okay and i'm like that's that's not that's kind of defeating the whole purpose of any of the ease here. If my final product is not going to actually work out. Um, yeah, it feels a
1: little risky to it, put like a year's worth of work into something and then. Yes. disappointed. Yes.
0: And so even though I had kind of the mobile flexibility there, it, I, I was struggling with that fact. I'm like, okay, let's, let's go back to the drawing board. I started playing in, in InDesign again. I'm like, no, this is still not good. And then I went back to what I had used for a photo book in the past. But you know, I always felt was a little bit clunky, and I think maybe I just didn't give it enough time and that was the book module inside of Lightroom Classic mm-hmm. and so I'm in Lightroom I can my my photos are here, I can drag them over it It seems very, very easy. I already have twenty six pages for my twenty twenty one album. I have wow. about I don't know I don't know about probably the same number for my 2020 album and I'm still bringing stuff over from my original uh, InDesign and Canva projects for that one because I, I had to kind of see if I could set it up for 2021 and then now I'm going to go back and finish 2020. But I I feel like I'm I've got a new direction. It feels good. No, it's not very mobile. I can't make the book in the mobile app. But I can edit my photos, have them more prepped and ready so that when I sit down every single Wednesday for our new time crop, you know, that has helped me catch up. And so even though I had this like structure before with the organizing photos by week, it's really the accountability on my calendar. I'm going to show up at this time, work on this project for one hour to me, that's the difference maker. Regardless of whatever, whatever software or format I was going to choose, I needed kind of both. I needed the, the right thing that I was going to be working on, and then I needed the time set aside to do it.
1: Yeah, I could definitely see the pairing. Because if you didn't have everything kind of prepped ahead of time, you would sit down every Wednesday and you'd spend your time doing that. So it's the match of those two things together that seems to be really paying off. Yeah.
0: And I spend like the first, I don't know, 10 minutes or so kind of making sure all my photos are are fully updated and and bringing things over and then I can spend another, you know, 30, 40, 50 minutes like bringing it in. And at this point I'm kind of caught up and it's so easy. You know, I pulled, um you know, a newspaper clipping the other day and I, I added it last night. So it's, it's so easy that I can just kind of pop things in when I think about it as well. So that, you know, I don't have that much to catch up on every Wednesday. And so I think that time's also going to allow me to work backwards as well and finish that 2020 book. Cause I really want to get that done so that I can, you know, share the finished product with everyone. And, and I don't know, just feel that sense of completion that, yeah, I kind of finally figured this out. Um, so I, I'm feeling good. It feels like this epic saga of, you know, Jennifer, how come you can't just finish a photo book? (laughs) Um, But I really wanted to find something that was a a long-term solution that didn't have any challenges, I guess. I wanted it to be easy for me. And sometimes it takes experimentation to figure that out.
1: Oh, definitely. Okay, I have a question. Yeah. So of these 20-some pages you've done, do you have a plan to follow any sort of template that you would repeat or would you have like... 12 different templates, and then if they work great, and if they don't, that, that gives you a starting point. And if they don't, then you could just design from scratch. Or how are you approaching the actual layout design? Um, and I, I did the same thing in
0: Canva, where I had about six different page layouts. And in Canva, I would just duplicate those. And so in the book module, you can actually create a layout and then assign it, like, say, make this a custom layout. So Mm -hmm. I can add new pages and select my custom layout Um, because many of theirs aren't as text heavy as I would like my pages to be. Like there's ones where it automatically adds a little caption, but they're mostly like it's, it's very photo heavy. And so I've created about six or seven custom layouts that are photos and a lot of words. And so I just press that button and it creates the page and then I drag my photo in and type my journaling. Um, So,
1: this also sounds to me a little bit like when Project Life came out with those new editorial templates, but you didn't have access to them based on your. I still don't. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, but this kind of gives you that feel. Yes. Which you wanted. So, that's good.
0: And I'm finding I'm doing a combination of those words and photos pages and. Throwing stuff in there, so for example, the paintings that I did with Emily, the abstract ones, I had my husband scan those for me because the scanner's attached to his computer. I, I can scan, but he has more proximity, and I put those as full page images. Um, I've uh, just various little like things, like even like memes and just like fun little things that I find online. I'm just so easy, ab- easily able to bring those in. Um, I've done a lot of. I'm looking kind of trying to organize all of my Allie Edwards story kits and other digital products. And so I've brought some of those in as full page images as well. And so it's a, it's a very interesting combination of words and photo pages, like digital word art type pages, and then like other random stuff. I don't know. I, I'm I'm loving how it's coming together. It just feels really fun. And, well, and it sounds
1: like that was your original goal too to have this, little snippet of everyday life and stories and for better or worse, memes and newspaper articles and things like those are our everyday life. Yes. So this definitely represents that.
0: I think I was very much inspired by, by Shannon's kind of take on doing these photo books as well as it's like one, more of a one thing or story per page rather than a, a, a traditional project life where you're trying to incorporate Multiple stories across a page or spread. I think my mm-hmm. brain maybe doesn't always organize things that way, but I'm like, yeah, I want to do this page. I want to add this thing, so this is another page. And sometimes that is very word heavy, and sometimes it is like one thing plopped on the page. Um, so that and is your final plan is to have it printed by Blurb. It is. um It's going to, and the main reason uh, is because Blurb can do 240 pages. Mm-hmm. And so that averages, you know, that's 20 pages per month. I know it'll ta- taper off throughout the year. So I'm kind of not too nervous that I'm probably going to end up having 30 pages for January. Um, but that is something to think about. But Printique, which I knew, I, you know, I know is is really the best quality service out there right now. They have a limit of 100 pages. And I like that, you know, for a wedding... Maybe even our Sweden trip, something like that. That's so like precious. I can see limiting it to a hundred pages, but for something like this, I'm really going to need the two forty, <laughs> and probably well, be you butting have up to do against two
1: volumes. Right? I guess oh. you could do like volume one, volume two.
0: That is true as well. I had not considered that. Hmm. Mm. But yes, I am. Well, I am doing blurb, um, and I think that. You know when i had I had Shannon on the podcast recently again, as well, and she talked about how it's just so internationally accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was another reason is I you know I, i'm I'm sensitive to the fact that when I, I I'm certainly creating for myself, but because I'm also sharing those things online, I want it to be something that others have an easy chance of using as well. Um and because I talk about Lightroom so much. Uh, this actually seems like why didn't I come up with this solution over a year ago? Uh, but
1: it, well, and part of it is you said right, you tried it in the past and it felt kind of clunky and not did not have the ease that you were looking for. But as your it sounds like as your process has changed and evolved, and I'm sure they've I don't know if they've made changes in their software. You know, as things are always changing, then maybe. Just took that time to come back to have a second look, I guess.
0: You know, and, and I think that happens. Like sometimes you're you have you and the software have to uh cosmically align at the right time. And the first time you try it might not be the right time and you're you can't quite get the hold of it or you can't you don't have the patience to know where to click because sometimes can, things can be frustrating when you're trying to learn it for the first time and you, you know, I still don't know how to use illustrator cause I'm always clicking in the wrong place and it's not doing what I wanted to do. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just one of those things that you gotta, you know, don't give up on if you eventually feel redrawn to it. You, there's a reason mm-hmm. and maybe then at, this is the time it'll stick. So
1: Trello was that for me. I yes, think yes. when you first introduced it, I was like, yeah, no, this is, I don't need this. And now it's very much a part of my regular routines. Oh, and yeah. I feel like we hear that a lot within the membership as well. And we can talk a little bit about yes. some of that later. We will too. talk about Trello for sure. Um, but like, what's uh, on your
0: bucket list? What stories are you wanting to tell?
1: I'm so, always trying to
0: like save these up
1: because I'm like, oh, I could talk about that with Kim. I have so many, like they just, even this week, cause I knew we were going to be recording. So these stories would come up and there's like, Oh, should that be my bucket list story? Maybe it should be this, but I'm going to go with one that I've actually talked about for a long period of time. So it's, it's to me, those are the ones where they've kind of had the staying power that this is definitely a story I want to tell. And can I just make this observation? I feel like bucket list stories from listening to other guests and whatnot, I feel like it's Grandparents, partners, and food. That just seems to be, you know, occasionally there's something that's outside of there. So I'm gonna go with so last time I did grandparents, I'm gonna go with partner this time. Okay. So I guess the next time I'll be food. But so my husband whistles oh. and he does not consciously realize he's doing this. So and he's done it for years. So it used to be when he would travel for work he would call in the evening and we'd chit chat and then they get to a point of time where, you know, if he's but gone several days, at some point we've kind of talked about what's going on and there'd be kind of that silence or, you know, like kind of wrapping up. And then he would just, he would just whistle and not even realize he's doing it. I don't know if it's just this space filler that he does. Well, so now and then that got better when we started doing video chats when he would travel. Because I guess if he's looking at us, then he's not as apt to just randomly break into whistling. <laughs> and he would even do it just when he's home, around the house, you would just hear him whistling. So now he's working in our basement because of the pandemic. And we will hear him from upstairs whistling. And the funny thing is, so he has a Bluetooth okay. speaker down there. So when he's not in meetings, a lot of times he'll have music going. and you will hear just like the muffled sound of the music, but that won't carry up the stairs, but the pitch of the whistling for whatever reason. <laughs> so we're just like, Oh God, dad's whistling again. So, and then the other layer of this is I was talking to his family about it last year. And I was like, do you guys whistle? Like, is this a thing in your family? Well, apparently his grandmother hums. So she's just puttering about she hums and he whistles. So, I don't know. It's very much a part. Like sometimes it's kind of annoying. Like you're whistling. Please can you, again, like stop with the whistling. But I also feel you always hear about those stories where kind of those little quirky things yes. family members do. Like someday, if I don't hear him whistle, like how sad would that be, right? Yeah, so, for sure. I love I that. just find it very, it's just fascinating to me. And he doesn't even realize he's doing it. So now I feel like whenever he gets back into the office and someday there's some corporate event where we go and I can talk to his coworkers because my other question is, do you do this at work? Like you don't even realize you're doing it here. Do you do this at work and your coworkers notice? I don't know. It's just so interesting. That's a great story. And I think that's
0: such a a wonderful example of how bucket list stories can be small, Mm -hmm. like small, but mighty or small, but significant. Like that's a, you know, that's a, you know, a pretty large, like, personality quirk that, you know, over a lot of time, you know, how who knows how long he's been doing this, maybe his whole life. Yeah,
1: I know. I could just imagine he and his grandma hanging out together, like, her <laughs> humming and him whistling. Yeah. And it's interesting to me, too, how it's always been this quirk I've noticed, and I would tease him about it. But now it's just really kind of come to the forefront this year, now that he's, you know, basically living in my basement. Um, for work (laughs) that we all just hear this whistling. So I don't know. It's like, that's like you said, it's a small story, but over time, sometimes those small stories grow. Yes. Oh, for sure. They have so much more impact. So how about yourself? Is it a grandparent, a partner or food? It is neither. It is none
0: of those though. You did just remind me of a really fun story about my husband that he will he always he tends to get up right before me and takes a shower and so i'm kind of like laying in bed trying to wake up while he's in the shower and I'll, sometimes i'll hear him talking and he's like kind of having a pre-meeting like he's figuring out what he's going to say at this meeting that he's going to go to like as soon as he gets out of the shower and i'm like were you talking he's like yeah i'm just just like hashing stuff out um <laughs> So it's just, it's just very fascinating how people kind of process information and pre-think about things. I definitely do that, but I don't do it out loud. Like I'm having these conversations in my head and okay, that has the opposite this- risk of like me saying, like, didn't I tell you that? And he's like, no, but I've had this whole conversation in my head and thought I was having it with the outside world and didn't. So,
1: so I've been paying attention to that recently. So I signed up for Headspace this year. Uh-huh. So I build this meditation habit last year, but I was just sitting in semi-silence, depending on what's going around my house. So anyways, I'm doing more guided meditation this year and I'm really enjoying it. But one of the things is the idea to observe throughout the day, like thoughts or feelings that you have. And mm-hmm. I have constant conversations in my head and, or I'm replaying conversations from the past. Or I'm thinking about conversations I'm going to have in the future. Yeah. Or I'm just having like imaginary conversations. But it's just like depending on what I'm doing throughout the day. So yesterday I had some errands to run. So I'm out driving around in the car. And yes, it's just this constant commentary. I don't know. But yes, I do that as well. But not out loud. Well, and I think I've had some interesting conversations with others
0: about like why I – like I watch a lot of YouTube videos while I'm doing other things. And I'm like, isn't that like distracting or, you know, too multitasking? I'm like, no, it's actually one of the only ways I can get my mind to silence itself is to have other media on. Even if I'm not really like paying attention because, you know, I'm watching like makeup and skincare and hair care videos because it's just it's a way that I can quiet my mind enough to feel like not that I, I'm not constantly on. It's It's very mm-hmm. relaxing in that way. Um, So
1: I think I, and yesterday I did not have this going. I don't know. But I think that's where podcasts come in for me. Yes. Same concept.
0: I actually get distracted by podcasts because if it's scrapbooking, if it's business or whatever, they say one thing and then my brain is like off on a tangent and I'm like, I'm planning something big. And then I have Mm -hmm. to pause and rewind like 15 minutes because my brain has then had a conversation. Like I've, I've joined the podcast episode and I'm now having the conversation with myself. So I find it super distracting.
1: And I find it very interesting. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, like, what is going on in everyone's head? I don't know. No, it is it's super All fascinating. Right, so back to your bucket list story. What do you got? Okay. It's not a grandparent, a partner, or food.
0: So this was on, it was sometime in the middle of inauguration day. And I was talking to Steve and I'm like, hey, did I ever tell you about the time which in which I was in the vice presidential motorcade and it was like the most surreal experience of my life um so this is when i was at trinity university for college and i was news editor of our college paper and the um there was someone that worked for al gore's like uh, advanced team so whenever you know Big political bigwigs go anywhere. They have an advanced team that goes and like scouts out the location. And you know, obviously, some of that is like secret service. But there's like the more logistical guys are just making sure that like, okay, these are the spaces we're going to be in, and you know, is everything all ready to go. And so he actually tapped some of his uh, fraternity brothers to come and support as part of the advance team. And because of that, you know, there was a connection to our campus, and like, hey, you know, we, we can get you. A press pass because we had weren't you know sometimes we got invited to things but it wasn't we weren't getting invited to to hear the vice president speak at a school um and so I got my myself and my photographer got a press pass and we went to go hear Al Gore speak at the school to talk about you know education funding I, I don't even remember the 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 full scope of it at that time But we didn't realize, well, you know, because we the day started at like seven a.m. at the airport, and we were all waiting for him to arrive on Air Force Two, I guess. Yeah, I don't know what he flies in. Yeah, but we were kind of we were in the press pool, like, and so we were in the you know the big black Suburbans, and so we went from a couple places, and then after the the school event, I was like, oh, we gotta go back to you know, campus so that we can put the paper to bed. Cause you know, we always do that on Thursdays and this was happening on a Thursday and we were kind of paired with this radio guy and he's like, uh, that doesn't, that doesn't, doesn't work like that. Like you're stuck here the whole day until the fundraiser is over tonight at like 10 PM. And I'm like, um, nobody gave us that agenda and we really have to go. And so we were like trying to like, talk to the secret service about like okay how do we get out of here we need someone to come pick us up and this was this was kind of like a we didn't we maybe i had a cell phone in my car for emergencies type of place it wasn't like i could really easily contact anyone and so we were like we were still in san antonio but we were trying to figure out how do we get back to campus because our cars were at the airport because we've been shuttled about in the in the motorcade you know in one of the big black suburbans and so it We eventually we got out. We were released. We had to have this escort to make sure that we were safe and everything. But um, we eventually got back. But it was just, it, I don't know. I've never documented the story. And I need to go pull like the, you know, because we wrote, it was a whole, the full front page for the college paper. And I need to pull that in and make that part of the story, too. And, yeah, I don't know. I was in the vice presidential motorcade in San Antonio. It's it's That's a so crazy fun, fun. story.
1: <laughs> yes. And I think the fun part about that, it's one thing, just to be like, yeah, I was. But it's all those layers to the story of having to get out of the situation, I guess, <laughs> yeah. at the same point in time. Right? Or all the parts that go into such an event. Oh, yeah. Although,
0: I mean, it was so, yeah. like, I didn't totally understand all the the parts and, and how, you know, we kept being sequestered in these little rooms and, you know, their, their job is to keep the vice president safe. Right. So that means keeping all the people away and, you know, contained. And, you know, we had a guard, every single, you know, little press bundle had a guard outside their door in the rooms that they were in. And, um, you know, because we were at the bottom of the totem pole, we were this, with this like radio guy <laughs> and he was like, mm-hmm. um, you guys clearly don't know what you're doing here. And I'm like, no, we don't. So, but yeah, it was fun. I was what, maybe nineteen? I guess nineteen or twenty. <laughs> so, yeah, the fun story. It is. I can't You're part, wait. To...
1: Part of history, Jennifer.
0: I can't wait to. I can't wait to document that, and it's. I think that's. It's a big priority on my bucket list now for this year.
1: Fun. All right,
0: let's talk about habits. So we are now kind of almost halfway through our first journey. These are these kind of two month explorations of a theme, um, and you know it's it's been really fun. It's been it's been really cool to see how everyone's kind of
1: getting what they need from it. I guess within kind of the that journey, the habits journey classroom area. We had people set intentions. So I was just reviewing those this morning. I feel like a lot of people, I saw a lot of people wanting to get into a good habit with their photos, mm. and a lot of people wanting to get into a good habit with consistent create creating consistently. And actually, interestingly enough, your whole photo book process is very much right. Like you got into a good habit with your photos, getting that all prepped, and now you're into your accountability with your consistent creating. But then also we had a bit about kind of identity and like who you want your habits to kind of, I guess, help you become. Mm -hmm. And I was interested to see how many people talked about finishing projects. Like I want to be a finisher.
0: And I wonder if all of those
1: things, right, those intentions to prepare yourself to one, spend the time scrapbooking and two, to have the photos and things easily accessible and ready to use will translate into helping people finish because it kind of remove some of those obstacles and hurdles that are in the way
0: when you really it's like almost a formula in order to to finish you really need uh both of those advanced components you need to have a handle on your photos so that you can have stuff to scrapbook and you need to create the you need to have the right format that makes it easy for you to to make the thing and the accountability the time set aside so that you do it so I mean it's the same thing as our I guess our three f's formula two of uh, focus finesse and finish I mean you need you need all you need those layered in order to end up with a finished product
1: yeah and I think it's really interesting to actually see that like laid out in front of us right by looking at other members experience like it is very much it's coming to fruition I think that feels really good. I mean,
0: it really does. And and the fact that you kind of highlighted that from my own photo book, it just it means that the I don't know, the concepts that we're talking about, the real. It makes it makes a difference. And it's almost to the point now, I am so excited about this photo book that I'm as much as I, I, I have all these ideas for other big layouts, I'm like, I am all in with photo book right now and I'm gonna ride this so that I can kind of use that momentum to to finish up those past projects.
1: I'm excited about your photo book. It's not even my photo book. I want to see this thing. Like, like, will you show pictures?
0: Oh, I, of course I will. And, I, you know, I've always been very like attracted to like thick photo books. Like, you know, that's, you know, you know, it's a lot of effort that goes into that and it just seems so... I oh, don't know. There seems to be like a, a we- the, the, the literal weightiness. It has an emotional weightiness to it. So I'm um, yeah, I'm excited too, obviously.
1: <laughs> okay. So what have you observed so far along our habits journey?
0: So and and we've talked about this a couple times. I've just been so fun to see the excitement about using Trello. I was you know very. I felt like I was a very late Trello convert. I used Asana for so long. I used Evernote before that. Evernote really never quite worked for me. Um, Asana did work until it was like, you know, this is I'm not quite. It's not enough anymore. I needed some of the visual. Maybe that just reflects my own my own journey, leaning more into my right brain side uh, for creativity. And you know, we released this new class called the Trello Habit earlier this month. And it's just been so nice to see members go through that, to set, you know, again, set their intentions to figure out how they uniquely want to use Trello. Because I think that's, you know, this is isn't just a like, here's how to use Trello or how you should use Trello. I'm really trying to provide advice on how do you figure out how a tool like Trello or any tool fits into your life and supports what you want to do as a scrapbooker. Because that answer is going to look so different. Um, and so even though you know it's not a giant class, it's just this little small little classroom, I'm just so excited to see what members are coming up with and how, you know, some have, I want to check in every single day, multiple times a day. I'm going to keep it open. Trello is my kind of centralized dashboard for what to do and others like, you know, I want to check in once a week as part of my planning so that I make sure that I'm staying on track. And both of those are the right answer because it's about what's right for you.
1: Yeah, I found it interesting just to see the different ways that members use Trello. Not, I mean, even beyond scrapbooking and creative hobbies, even within like scrapbooking and creative hobbies, like how I use Trello is very different than how you use Trello versus how another member uses Trello. So I think we can learn a lot from each other's experiences of what's worked for other people um, so if you're getting frustrated or there's something that doesn't seem to be working well, that's tripping you up, chances are someone else has had that experience and possibly has a solution to try. So oh for
0: sure. When I was you know uh, messaging with a member about you know she was teaching me something, I'm like I, she shared these screenshots and I'm like how did you get these little designs on your? Uh, there were these little kind of like there was a dot and a crosshatch pattern and a line you know like a Oh, barbershop like stripe pattern on oh, yes. her card covers and on her labels. And she's like, I don't really know. And then so she investigated. She's like, Oh, it turns out I accidentally had on colorblind mode. Oh. And you know, I now have colorblind mode on too because it just adds a little extra zing, I don't know, to the to your boards um, when you're using either colored cards or colored labels. And, you know, they're recognizing they can't just shift the colors for someone who's colorblind. So they use some sort of other kind of these um, visual markers to help someone who's colorblind identify between the different colors. And it's just it's genius. And it it's not something that cha- really changes the experience for someone who's not colorblind. It only enhances it more, in my opinion.
1: Well, and if it's a tool you enjoy using, then you're going to be more apt to use it as opposed to something that feels clunky or tedious or... Yeah. Just not, not fun. We need well, some fun.
0: Well, and even, you know, I've talked a lot about my, my planner and my, my Hobonichi Weeks with my Coco Daisy stickers. And I've, I guess I've, I don't know, maybe I don't know where I was prior to 2020, but 2020 helped me see that if you can add a little bit of joy into the tools that help you stay on track, you're more likely to stay on track.
1: Yes, I would agree.
0: And maybe I was just devoid of joy before. I don't know, but uh, it was just—it's just just that recognition of it.
1: Practical too, right? Yeah. I don't like. I'm practical. This gets the job done. I don't need these extra, I don't know, flourishes or flounces or whatever, right? But no, it does make a difference if it's something that's fun and enjoyable. Well, it comes back to James Clear, Atomic Habits, right? It's that final process of the habit loop where. If it's rewarding and it's satisfying, like the end, and then you are more apt to repeat it.
0: Yes. So I think that
1: very much comes into play.
0: Yes, and I've just ah, uh, I've I don't know. I we we brag on twenty twenty about the challenges that are very very real and significant, but I think it also gave us an opportunity to pause a little bit and see about where can we add these little bits of things to our life that do make things more rewarding. And I'm, I am I feel very hopeful that there is some new things, new skills, new habits that we've all learned that we're going to be able to carry forward into the future. I think so too. So we have a lot of things coming up. Um, you know, we've always had a lot of things coming up, but I think laying out the whole calendar for the whole year has really, uh, Allowed us to help, I guess, prepare the members, prepare ourselves, and to just really kind of just ride all the fun ups and downs. Most, I mean, just ride the ups back to the the baseline, I guess. (laughs) We don't have any downs. Uh, So to conclude out January, we have this new thing that we're starting called the community orientation. And I'm, this is something I've thought about for a while and we had some conversations inside one of the crops. And I'm like, you know what? I just need to, I guess, rip off the Band-Aid, pull the trigger, whatever colloquialism you want to use here and say, okay, we're going to start having these sessions to give members a personalized tour where I can give you kind of my lay of the land. And then you can ask questions of, well, cool, what happens if you click there? Or how do you do this? and And really just kind of give that added layer of I don't know, a tech introduction, if you will, to the community because we are using this Muddy networks platform that if you have not used another community there or really felt connected to it, it can be a little disorienting as with any type of software that you use for the first time.
1: So I know this is something like you had mentioned. We've talked about in the past, and we have like a member orientation kind of track for people to take. So, why do you think, or how do you think this will be different for people?
0: Well, I think it's it's both kind of that optional first step of. Maybe you're just not even sure where where to begin and, and how to navigate. And so I think if you're brand new, you can sign up for one of these orientation sessions and I'll walk you through it, kind of give you an idea of how I use the community, how I see other members use the community, how to kind of personalize things, like adjust your notifications, um, you know, where to click and what kind of your your habits and behaviors should be behind it. Um and then also just to be there to answer questions. Yes, we do have that member orientation. I think this could be also be a kind of a follow-up to that as well. If you if the member orientation class wasn't enough to really help you give you that confidence that you know how to use both the website and the app, this is an opportunity to really um, have our members feel more connected to the platform. and And with that, it will be more connected to each other as well.
1: Well, yeah, and then you like you are like their personalized tour guide to go with the whole journey theme right literally I imagine you as a docent in a museum
0: I will have to lean on my college tour guide experience but thankfully I do not have to walk backwards doing a zoom orientation so
1: so you'll have this down easy peasy
0: yeah, so I think it'll be fun. We're going to start with once a month and see where it goes from there. So, um, But I'm excited to also to just meet our new members, too, and help them meet each other. Um, I think when you help uh, cohort people uh, who start at the same time, they can develop their own connections. And uh, that's always, I don't know, a really valuable attribute as well.
1: Well, yeah, like to have a shared experience with someone. Yes. Definitely.
0: And then also next week, we're going to have our first book club discussion of the year. We are rereading Atomic Habits and then using this book as a little bit of a lens to look at additional books and to look maybe back a bit at previous books so that we can focus more on implementation of this. You know, we read so many brilliant authors with all this different advice of how you do things. But because we were reading things at such a fast pace, I don't think there was ever time to just exhale and see, okay, what do I want to bring into my life? What do I want to try and experiment with? So I think slowing our pace a little bit and having that month in between is that, is that opportunity to say, okay, here's something that I want to try. I want to build this new habit. And how can we then use what James Clear advises us on about how you do build habits to make that happen?
1: Well, and ch- change takes time. So yes. this just kind of builds in a little bit of that, like you said, reflection time and gives you an opportunity to make some experiments to see, well, if this work for me or not work for me, and if it doesn't, great, and you move on. But if it does, then you've possibly had an opportunity to really enhance your experience.
0: Oh, for sure. And I think that's really what our book club is about, Is is taking these new ideas that 99% of them have nothing to do with scrapbooking um and seeing how we can apply that to making changes inside of our scrapbooking to make that experience more joyful and easy and then also changes in our life that then support our scrapbooking and sometimes that's even the more the more powerful and important part because you know we all always talk about uh, not being able to to carve out the time and take the time or giving yourself permission to devote time to yourself. And so some of those uh, personal development tasks that we can take elsewhere contribute to being able to
1: just connect
0: with our hobby regularly.
1: Well, and I think even though we've read Atomic Habits in the past, I'm rereading it now in preparation for next week. And I think it's interesting what I'm taking away this time versus what I took away the first time I read it. I feel yes. like the first time I read it, I was very much interested in that concept of getting his, this whole concept of getting 1% better each day. So it's just very small incremental improvements and changes in your life and how that pays off in a long time or the long run. And this time around, I am super fascinated with this idea of how your habits form your identity. Mm -hmm. And how what your identity is, uh, your beliefs about yourself, how that translates into your habits, like this two-way street. And that is just like blowing my mind. Like I was reading out loud from the book last night to my family, which I'm sure they very much enjoy. But I was just so, I'm just looking at it through a different lens this time. Um, So I'm still taking a lot away from it, even though we've read it before and I've been a big James Clear fan for a long time so well and i think that's the sign of a really uh i don't know masterful
0: work i think the artist way is another good example even though that's you know that's quite uh extensive in the the various uh advice that julia gives but you will whatever book you're talking about if it's really that timeless you'll be able to take away something different depending on what's going on in your life and kind of just to make those connections and and support you where you are right now. And that's, that's, yeah, that's what I love about it. A reread as well. Yes. All right. So then we'll be shifting into February and I don't, sometime like this month, we, we keep talking about how months feel so long. I'm <laughs> like, how is it still January? I feel like I have been, you know, working on January stuff for so long, but maybe that's just because we, started working on January back in like November, but mm-hmm. um, we have a brand new pop-up workshop. This year we are releasing six pop-up workshops and these are kind of, I, I can say them like little mini classes. Sometimes it's like just like a, a one-hour seminar. Sometimes it's a few small lessons. It's a kind of small taste of a topic to help you get your feet wet, decide if you want to learn more and to spur discussion about, you know, resources and and opportunities and and where you might want to go even deeper. Um, It's just kind of deciding to hold your hand to get into something new. And this topic for this round for February is using your
1: silhouette die cut machine. This was a very popular topic. I feel like At one point in the past, we had about learning. Like, what would you like to learn? And lots of silhouette, digital die-cut type wishes, or I guess our hopes for people, aims. Yeah. And
0: so my focus is really on helping those who purchased one on Black Friday or received it as a gift, and it's still sitting in the box, or maybe they plugged it in and then weren't really sure how to use the software or get started and, and never really kind of developed a clear vision for how they want to use it. Um, and so just like we talked about that kind of the structure for the Trello class, you know, I'm going to be inviting our students to think about, okay, why did you get this to start with? What, what was it that you wanted to create? And then what are the steps we need to take to create that? Um, So it'll be a a nice little dip in. I actually just got a new portrait three for my birthday, but then I also have the original cameo. And so I'm sure in some form I'll share some commentary on any kind of differences I notice. Um, I'm guessing it's mostly just going to be in like speed and noise level and maybe like crispness of the cut. But uh, I think it'll be a very similar experience since the software is use the same software for both. Mhm.
1: Well, I'm still plugging along in my little digital world over here. But and I talked about this I think last fall, the idea of I had figured out how I could almost do like paper piecing mm-hmm. with digital cut files and I played with it and then I never really did anything with it. So, I think that for me that would be a fun thing to explore because there are so many cool cut files and backgrounds and embellishments and I know when I used my silhouette in the past, I did, I used it a lot for title work or print and cut type things. Yeah. Um, Not so much with like the paper piecing and the background, uh, but that's what I'm really excited about. That's what I'm interested to explore.
0: Well, and I think that these little classrooms, um, we have, it's kind of one classroom for all of our pop-ups and then there are each individual modules in there. But we have this whole kind of, you know, activity feed conversation area where we can have these extended discussions. And, you know, because we also have uh, digital and hybrid classes in there as well, this all kind of fits together where you can explore how... How can you go deeper in this and and achieve that, the look or the technique that you want to do? So I just love how these kind of just open the door to a topic and get the conversation going. And complement each other, really. Yes, 100%. Our last big release of the journey is a new class called Bucket List Boot Camp, Now, this journey is is a little bit different than all the rest of the year because we had both the Trello Habit and Bucket List Bootcamp as new self-paced additions to our our bigger course library. Um, We're not going to always have that much new content at once, but I really wanted to have a special place where members could explore their bucket list stories and to start capturing those, brainstorm, um, go a little bit deeper. And also have some prompts to to f- start flushing those out. Some starting points to try on and, and explore different types of bucket list stories. So I think
1: that'll be really fun. Yeah. So this is... How would you compare this to the bucket list boot camp that you did last year? So last year's bucket list
0: project was this nine-month experience that combined how to tell bucket list stories with doing all of this inside of Trello. And so that's really why that was the genesis of having these two classes. We need a Trello thing that was separate and we need a bucket list class that was separate. Um, they do pair really well together, but they don't have to be paired together. You don't have to use Trello to to organize, document, and tell amazing bucket list stories at all. So uh, it kind of is an outgrowth of that. I'm going to be taking the 12 brand new layouts that I created last year. And those are going to be kind of the 12 core prompts inside Bucket List Bootcamp. And then we had an additional, I think, 24 um, kind of, I don't know, like subsidiary prompts. And uh, we'll have those in a big list as well. And of course, these are all in addition to the amazing prompts we have in our Story Starters Library. So we'll be referencing that as well for additional
1: inspiration. Sometimes I feel like people find it hard to get started. So this will hopefully give them a jumping off point so that they can feel comfortable telling these stories or identifying bucket list stories because, and I know we've talked a lot about this on the podcast too, as far as small stories and big stories and stories that cover the span of time or like one-off mm-hmm. stories. Like there's no clear definition for what would qualify as a bucket list layout for you, but hopefully this gives people, kind of an entry point I guess if they're feeling kind of hesitant about it or maybe they're excited and they've got a bunch going and um, they just want to keep that ball rolling then this could also help them with that process too.
0: Yeah and some of the prompts are definitely like focused on picking this type of story and some are a little bit more focused on kind of story structures and here's how you could approach a story that's a little bit bigger like we have this timeline one you know we we always talk about scrapbooking these like the big moments in life like the those ones where you were glued to the news and you will always remember where you were and it's a really amazing concept but how do you how do you capture that and so my favorite layout of the whole selection is this timeline that I created of my you know, flashbulb moments, you know, when when Princess Diana died and 9-11 and, and those really huge moments in life. And I think we'll have, you know, there's templates for those. And I think just think the the example of that structure really helps you enter the story, even though maybe you've always wanted to tell it.
1: I think that is my biggest challenge with these types of stories is how to structure them or to get them on the page. And we have talked about that again a lot as well. I use that timeline, I use that exact template and I did a layout I talked about it last fall about the pumpkin Jack mm, yeah. story. And I, so I translated kind of our experience with that story and how it kind of came to fruition in our lives. And I laid it on a timeline. So again, that's an example of you have that structure and we told, we both use that structure very, very differently.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. mm so I think that if you are not yet a member and you are a podcast listener, though, I really want to invite you to our Your Way workshop, which is happening the same day that the class will be released, um, because we'll be talking about bucket list stories and how do you identify them and and how do you how do you really dig beneath the surface to to tell that rich, juicy story that that feels compelling and important. And I'll give a little preview of the bucket list boot camp classroom that night as well. And so we'll have a link in the show notes um, to that workshop, which you can find at slash syw101, because this is episode 101. Exciting. Yeah. No, I. Things are going good. I'm I feel solid right now, and so I'm excited to continue to explore these different topics, to kind of get these these new little babies out into the world because each class is a little baby, and um, to have our members really explore them and to see all the wonderful pages that they create inspired by getting more organized with Trello and digging beneath the surface with Bucket List Bootcamp and. Playing a little bit more with their silhouette, if that's something that sounds fun, so
1: or the habits that they're forming,
0: yes, that <laughs> that support everything. You know, one <laughs>
1: makes life very easier, or it makes their habit more enjoyable. Yeah, it all comes full circle for sure.
0: Yes, no, and like literally that habit of coming to that to put that open crop time on my calendar, it is a non-negotiable. I can already tell that that makes going to make all the difference for this year and. I'll be able to share that much more of my own completed projects because of that. So. Mm -hmm. All right, Kim, I can't wait to talk to you again next month. I hope you have a great one. Of course we will see each other inside the community, but uh, wishing you all the best. You as well. All right. And to all of our listeners, please remember that you have permission to scrapbook your way. If you like the podcast, you'll love being a member. When you join, you'll get access to weekly zoom crops, Bimonthly retreats and a huge content library. You can head over to slash membership to learn more and join our creative community.